Hey everybody, I just want to take a moment to talk about a new thing I'm doing. Over the years, many of you have reached out to me telling me how much you love the podcast, but also wish there were more personalized takeaways and more in-depth interactions with our guests to hear what they think about comedy. This is why I'm now launching my new digital academy, Blueprint for Success. With exclusive interviews and comedy philosophies of stars and industry veterans, personalized versions of the Industry Standard podcast, commercial-free, and one-on-one coaching time with me. Blueprint for Success will give you the powerful tools that will take you up the elevator beyond the competition and reach the highest possible levels to achieve your dreams. Whether it be stand-up, sketch, improv, acting, writing, producing, directing, hosting, radio podcasting, social media influencing, or even if you want a career behind the scenes as a manager or an agent. Now I'm here to help, personally. We'll go on an express train of comedy and entertainment like nobody else has before. You can find out more about Blueprint for Success and the comedy business on my website at barrycats.com. Together, we'll take your career where you want it to go. At large companies, has this thesis that the mo- more resources you have, the better you perform. And I'm like, uh, let's be clear. When I was the GM of Google Maps, it was myself, one product manager, and 10 engineers like that built Google Maps, right? I mean, at Google, the, like, the biggest and best teams that, or the teams that performed were not the biggest. They were often groups of 10 or less. Google Scholar, like it was one guy and a couple of engineers. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Industry Standard with me, Barry Katz. Another great, great episode today, an interview with Secunder Singh Cassidy, the president of StubHub. This woman is incredible, a true inspiration, and a person of note in a different kind of sector in the entertainment business but extremely, extremely knowledgeable and valuable, the words that she has to say. And before I get started, I just want to thank you for all your support. What else is new? You guys are unbelievable. The things that you've done, the letters you've sent, the messages all over social media to me, I am very grateful for. And if you ever want to reach me, you can do so at... Barry Katz at Twitter and Instagram, and you can just follow, and I will answer any questions you have. If you are patient, I would love to hear what you have to say. It means a lot to me, and you are the reason why this show is where it is today, and only you, and there's no other way to say it. And when I think about Secunder Singh Cassidy, I think of somebody who really, really blew me away in her approach and her thought process in terms of what it takes to get to the next level. Keep in mind, this is somebody who has been the president and CEO of many, many companies, many, many companies, not just StubHub. We're talking about somebody who was leading the charge at groundbreaking companies like Joyous and Polyvore and Yodley. 
somebody who held extraordinarily high-level positions at Google before taking over at StubHub. But I think one of the things I get from her more than anything else, number one, even though she was at the highest levels of the game at every single place, including now at StubHub, she took the time to create something that would help women in the industry simultaneously while she was doing her job. So she created something called the board list and founded it and it created incredible opportunities for women in helping female leaders at the highest level and match them with high level board opportunities at companies all across the world. And the success rate was incredible and she did it outside of the job. The second thing I got from her, which was really, really special, and I think it's something I find from many, many leaders, is the fact that they understand that failure is something that is necessary for their success. It helps them with the ability to navigate with all kinds of personalities at all different levels. And it helps drive them and create a blueprint to help them get to the top and stay at the top. One of the things I truly believe in, if you take the effort in your spare time to create situations that inspire and help others along your journey, and if you're the kind of person who can deal with your failures and not give up and build on them and look at them as building blocks for your future, both personally and professionally, I can guarantee you karmically, emotionally, intellectually, spiritually, and professionally, you're going to have the ability to have the kind of career that Secunder Singh Cassidy has. Here we go in three, two. This show will have laughter. I got everybody pregnant with Barry Katz and semen. I'm not comfortable with the tone this is taking. If you're undeniable, you will not be denied. If you want to be successful in show business, you get yourself a Jew white manager like Barry Katz. <laughs> Being a manager is just turning no's into yeses. Creating holy shit moments. Undeniable. You're fucking firing me up, Katz. I love this man. Is there anything else I should know? You're on. What? Out of the air! Barry Katz. Back in the house. 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 Let's do this. How do you handle the integrity issues with your company, who is the four seasons Mm -hmm. of ticket companies? Yep. Knowing that there's people out there all over the world, powerful, powerful artists. Yeah. Whose managers and agents are saying, hey, you can make. 30% 30% more money if you take a thousand seats and you do this and you, and you do, do that. Yeah, no, it's a great question. So first of all, the way we manage that is actually very simple. Like we have a through line in the company. Remember I told you it's a through line that I came for. Luckily, it's a through line that was product market fed. And it will, I think, over the long uh, term in a category that is as opaque as ticketing still is, uh, service well, which is number one, we focus on the customer. 
we build customer velocity, you know, and we and we focus on transparency. And I think that like, look, are we perfect? No. But if you look at everywhere from the UK where, you know, we've had to explain to people why, why, the, why the resale business is a good business, why it is that, you know, you and I, like, unfortunately, we're not all sitting here at the on sale, you know, waiting at 10 a.m. because uh, unfortunately, I'm a little busy. I don't know about you to like buy my ticket in that moment. And if I miss it, I have no right to go. Like, in 1977, <laughs> I waited in line for 19 hours for Elvis Presley to when there was only oh one my place God. to get them. See, this is what I mean. And so, you know, resale marketplaces, fan-to-fan marketplaces exist because consumers want access and they want flexibility. And our job is to give it to them. And it's to give it to them in a way that protects their experience, you know, and make sure they get there. And so we've always used kind of the fundamental idea that we're fan first and that we're transparent. First, we used it when, as you know, we were building our business and we needed to battle against regulation, even here in the United States, that said reselling is bad. It's not. Um, how you do it matters. How you do it matters. We believe that how you deliver for customers matter. How we speak about our business matters. And so, you know, let me just tell you, the through line in that has built us distribution. Lucky for us, it's built us enough distribution that artists now do want to talk to us directly, as do sports teams, as do leagues. We have 200-plus uh, relationships that have legitimized StubHub, but more than that, they give fans easier access. You know, there's a reason we did the NFL deal. There's a reason we did Major League Baseball deals. There's a reason we're going to keep doing deals, including with, across music and sports. And so I think that through line has served us pretty darn well. And, you know... Technology has a way of sort of disintermediating and making transparent things that are opaque. Uh, so we're just going to keep marching down that through line. And we're going to trust that, you know, that delivers the most value. And if it delivers the most value, it's going to pull artists and content rights holders anyway. One, Six degrees of separation. Six degrees of separation. I'm going to mention something, anything. This oh, is no. like a speed round. Okay. 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 Choosing possibility. Yes. What does that mean to you? Uh, wow. Wow. I'm impressed that you found that hashtag from uh, the board list, I take it. So um, choose possibility. So uh, as you can probably tell, I'm a pretty lean forward person. Uh, and you sort of asked me, remember the question you asked me <laughs> earlier where you're like, did you, take, did you take the sure thing for the money or did you take the thing that you trusted work at, would work out money included? Choosing possibility for me is always about, you know, taking a path that opens more doors um, and taking a path that challenges yourself and choosing. I mean, choosing to be an optimist, even if that means in the short term, the best thing you can do is be a realist because, you know, if you don't solve this problem, you're never going to get to the promised land. Choosing possibility for me is all about leaning forward um, and making a choice to do something constructive uh, towards a towards a future that undoubtedly will be better if you take a if you if you make a step today. Female empowerment. Mm -hmm. Yes. What does that mean to you? Uh, it means a world in which, you know, women and men can equally exercise their potential. The board list. Uh, the board list. My other company, my baby, that is the company I founded. Uh, it's a technology uh, platform and a talent marketplace where uh, women can be curated, uh, identified, and discovered uh, for board opportunity. Your vision of the future. First, so first of all, I don't credit myself with nearly, nearly the same level of technology vision where I can be like, oh, my God, that thing. Um, I see many things that are interesting. I mean, so uh, let me think about if there's one thing that I've 
sort of I'm like, wow, this is going to transform. Yeah. You know, there are many things. I probably think, I think probably more of a, of the vision of the how than the what. So I don't know all of the technologies that are going to transform us. I see a lot that I think are interesting, but I think a lot about the how. And I think, I mean, let me just tell you some the vision I have of the how of the future and the who of the future is like, I look at my, here's what I see. I look forward 20 years and I look at my kids and I think, uh, at no point will the idea of what color, the, the what color your skin is, what gender you are even be an issue like my vision of the future is one that's probably much more about the who and the how and i like i look at my kids and i genuinely think they don't see race i don't think they see sexuality i don't they think they even see gender the same way we do it and this then i'm like that's the reason i'm an optimist because i'm like hmm you know how we're going to work in the future all of these in all these lines that we sort of paint about how it's going to they're not even going to see age i just think that though the workforce of the future is one that in some ways um everybody is already treated the same and that's the version of the world they grew up with so these things we think about today i don't think are going to be barriers 20 years from now because i think the kids we're raising are are, are being raised in a, com a world where these lines don't exist your jerry Maguire moment my Jerry Maguire moment. It might have. Where you didn't end up with just a fish in a plastic bag. You ended up with 59 people who were <laughs> on your side standing behind you. What's my Jerry Maguire moment? Uh, the board list is probably one of those Jerry Maguire moments where I was like, you know, in a good way. I mean, I don't know that there was a crisis, but there was a crisis around women in tech and there continues to be. But I was just like, oh, you know what? I'm going to actually write a blog post and I'm going to ask a hundred founders to contribute to it, female founders and, and tell and share their experience. And that Jerry Maguire moment was like, oh, there's something more to be done here. And it led to starting the board list is a pure mission. It's the first time I've tried uh, starting a mission driven company. Uh, and it was a moment. I mean, I look today and I'm so proud of the work it's doing and I'm amazed by how many people genuinely wanted to just succeed. We've had 550 boards use the platform, which in the world of boards is actually quite a lot number, a big number and we've and we basically had 110 placements. How long? Uh, I would say well the company's uh, been a startup for the past two and a half years. I mean it's had a platform since February of 16. So like but mostly what I'm surprised by is the genuine goodwill and the number of people who are like, wow, like I just love that you started that and I just love what it's doing and I love its mission. And so many people are like, I want to be a part of it. Uh, so that's what's amazing. It's awesome. One of the things we were talking about before you came in, yeah. the shocking statistic that in some professions, yeah. there is no women who are household names. Like yeah. in magic, yeah. a hundred years, there's never been a Fiddle, household yeah. name magician. In comedy, there's probably... I don't know. Ten women who are household names. Names in total. But you're doing something, and I wish more people would do something in the arts. And I think singers are more attainable and accessible because uh, the message is so humbling. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, music has, uh, has you know, even though the women of Time's Up would say there's a long way to go in music, I'd say in many ways it feels more accessible and more penetrated by women. But as you can as you can imagine, like in this conversation, as I said, I don't dream so much about the what. I do dream a lot about the who. Like I know there'll be tons of technologies I can't even imagine, and I'm not even sure that's my superpower. But I am quite sure and I am quite passionate about the who of the future. Hey, everybody. I hope you're enjoying this episode as much as I am. 
if you made it this far and you haven't fallen asleep yet, then you must be the type of person who's serious about having a career in the comedy business. That's why I'm offering you my blueprint for success, a one-of-a-kind all-access pass into my knowledge and experience after over 40 years of working with the best of the best in this crazy entertainment industry. I'll tell you all the stories, all the philosophies, give you all the great special guests, and even give you one-on-one -on -one private consultations to help you expand, enhance, and skyrocket your comedy career. Just go to barrycats.com and click on Blueprint for Success to learn more about my groundbreaking digital academy that I've created just for you. With it, we can take your career so far that one day, instead of listening to this podcast, you'll be interviewed on it. Tell me when you're going from these great companies, mm -hmm. Google yeah. and Amazon, and mm -hmm. when you get to StubHub, yeah. are there lists that you keep with you like, okay, they did this, 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 and this that works fantastic. They did this, 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 and this that I try to tell them it doesn't work. Yeah. And when you get to a place like StubHub, do you say, hey, look, you know, I know you're doing things this way, yeah. but this will work better. This Google did this, Amazon did this, yeah. but this here you're doing is better than what they did. I love the way your technology and your graphics are on yes. the site here, yes. much better than they had it. Yeah. And do you utilize the knowledge that you gain, not just the knowledge, but the actual Mantras and yes. yeah, yes. I mean, the answer is yes. I think that everywhere you go, your opportunities to pick up, you know, these gems, right? And I think, um, I mean, I'll just give a couple specific examples. So at StubHub right now, uh, we're doing the first version of what's called OKRs, right? OKRs are very famous from Google, object objectives and key results. I was at Google, obviously, when we spent a lot of time in OKRs. John Doerr just wrote a book that we just read at the company called Measure What Matters. You know, so this idea, and then there's a couple of other things from Google that I think are, are, are really important that we've, uh, that we've bought to StubHub. And you have to remember, even more from Google, because while I loved Amazon, I was only at Amazon for a year. I was at Google for, you know, almost six, right, in very seminal years. So I feel like I got to some watch how Jeff worked at Google, uh, at Amazon, and I have some learnings that are 20 years old, but I got a lot more from Google just given my time there. Um, so Google, you know, we did OKRs. What's great about OKRs is they get everybody focused. They get people to stretch. You get you, the act of writing down and publicly saying what you're going to do commits you, right? Um, what did I not love about Google? Like individual OKRs. Like really, does every single person in the company, like, you know, what's going to happen when you have every individual write down their individual OKR? Is it right? Is it not? Is it a lot of bureaucracy? Does it lead people to just playing safe versus team? So we're rolling it. We're rolling our version at StubHub. So when I got there, it was like, uh, how can we not have OKRs? Like, this is how Google used them. This is what worked and this is what didn't. But hey, don't take my word for it. Let's all read this book together from John. You know, and you, we can decide what version of that we want to implement. That's one example. I mean... You know, and then I think from entrepreneurship and from Google, like small teams rule. I mean, we talk a lot about that at StubHub. Everybody at, at large companies has this thesis that the mo more resources you have, the better you perform. And I'm like, uh, let's be clear. When I was the GM of Google Maps, it was myself, one product manager, and 10 engineers like that built Google Maps. 
right? I mean, at Google, the like the biggest and best teams that or the teams that performed were not the biggest. They were often groups of ten or less. Google Scholar, like it was one guy and a couple of engineers. I mean, so all and at small team at small companies, you have no choice, right? Like a joyous. I mean, when the company in total is like fifty to seventy people and you have only like twelve in engineering, you have no choice but to get a lot done with few people. So at StubHub, this idea of small empowered teams where people can run the idea of OKRs. These are ideas that you know, or they're just two of the ideas that I bought, you know, I bought to StubHub, not that I'm so unique, but of principles I saw externally that I thought we should apply. Um, so yeah, there are, I mean, there is, but can I say that like, you know, did I take the entire Google playbook and bring it to StubHub? No. Did I take some of it to my startups? Did I take some of my startup playbook? I'm like, I've got this merge playbook. And then of course you've got a company that itself does, you know, has a value system that is amazing and does things well. So what you're trying to do is, is like you said, bring that playbook. Uh, merge it with the one that's there, and hopefully you end up uh, with a set of values you share uh, and an operating playbook that, you know, is the best of both worlds, I hope. We'll see. Hey, everybody. I've talked a lot about AquaTrue on this show, the amazing water purification system that's literally a miniature water cooler in your home that purifies the water in a way that no one else has ever figured out how to do. It's this incredibly efficient piece of equipment, and it gives you the best tasting water you can ever imagine for pennies. You just take it out of the box, plug it in, put your tap water in it, and it takes out all the bad chemicals and gives you the best and healthiest water you can ever imagine, saving you thousands of dollars each year from buying bottled water in the store. I have one at my house and office, and Everyone who uses it orders one, and you should too. Just go to industrystandardwater.com and type in the promo code Barry, and if you act now, you can get $100 off and start enjoying the best and most cost-effective water you've ever had, and never waste another dollar buying bottled water again. And I just want to share another groundbreaking product with you. It's a revolutionary air purifier that will change the way your home operates. And I'm talking about the Air Doctor. The air inside our home can be up to a hundred times more polluted than the air outside. But with the Air Doctor, you don't have to worry about it as it removes dust, pet hair, mold, pollen, flu viruses and so many other contaminants that circulate throughout our homes. Till now, the only thing that could come close to this product were systems that cost thousands of dollars. But now you can get the Air Doctor for a fraction of the cost, normally $600. And if you don't believe me, check Amazon. But for a limited time, I can give you 50% off and save you $300. Just go to airdoctorpro.com, type in the promo code Barry, and get rid of all the bad toxins in your home. I'm telling you, I have this product. It really, really works. So get one now and start breathing the cleanest and healthiest air you can ever imagine. Hey, everybody. Let me remind you one more time about my new blueprint for success. It's a project I've spent months and months working on just to help you jumpstart your comedy career and beat the competition. Whether you want to do stand-up, sketch, improv, acting, writing, producing, directing, radio, social media influencing, or even if you want a career behind the scenes as a manager or agent, Blueprint for Success will give you all the tools you need to take your career to the highest levels. 
with exclusive interviews, my top 50 commercial-free episodes from Industry Standard, one-on-one coaching with me, and unprecedented access into my knowledge and experience from over 40 years in this crazy business. I guarantee you that with Blueprint for Success, you'll become the creator you've always dreamed of becoming. No one's asking me to do this. I want to do it because I want to help you become truly undeniable. So just go to barrycats.com, click on Blueprint for Success, and start your incredible journey today. I truly can't wait to work with you to help you change the trajectory of your comedy career forever. When you're in these meetings, yeah. when you start your company, yeah. you handpick the people who come in. Yeah. Now, in the entertainment business, like, for instance, I interviewed Greg Garcia, who created My Name is Earl, and Yes, Dear, and The Guest Book, and Raising Hope. And he said something fascinating. He said, you know, Barry, obviously I want to hire the best writers for my writing staff, but I normally save one spot for the guy who's not the best writer. He's not the greatest at what he does, but at two o'clock in the morning, he's the guy who throws the water over himself, dances on the table, and gets the room uplifted. And they might resent him because he has no talent or not as much talent as they do, (laughs) but he serves his purpose. Yep. So when you were starting your companies, the first part of the question is, did you bring on people who, like maybe one person who wasn't as talented, but they shook things up? And secondly, when you're with a company that you don't own and didn't start up, and you walk in the room, and there's always that vibe you can feel it that yeah. one person who's pissed off that you got the job yeah or more than one person they think they deserved your job and they are going to do everything on the ground without you knowing it yeah. to break your legs and take you out mm-hmm. so if that's a two-part question how do you deal with both situations when you're assembling your staff and how do you navigate when you know there's people that are trying to take you out or at least just shake you up a little bit so you're off guard. They want to get in your head so you wake up that morning, God damn it, I heard he said that thing about me. Somebody yeah. told me, why would he do that? Should I approach him? Should yeah. I go face? Yeah, I'll split, I'll split the question. So on um, question number one, so first of all, lucky for me, and this is the value of being at big and great companies, whether it's Merrill or whether it was Amazon or whether it was Google is, you know, once you've been in those environments, you get to work with really talented and diverse groups of people. So lucky for me, by the time I had my first startup experience, I feel like I had already seen like that a talent comes in all shapes and sizes. It doesn't all look like me. You know, it certainly, you know, it certainly doesn't all need to act like me. I can only imagine how brutal a company would be if you had like it built of entirely people who look like me. So I would say by the time I started my own companies, keep in mind my first company, I wasn't the CEO, right? I had an amazing CEO, Anil, who just uh, after 20 years retired from Yodley this week and 19 years. And he was my partner and he was my compliment. So... Um, I was already in a situation where I'd say it wasn't just me hiring people, but between us, we hired a very diverse group of people. Um, 
and I think I learned very early on that different people bring different things to the table. I just think I did because of the environments I was in and even the CEO I had at my first startup. And so I don't think I've, I mean, I don't think I've ever really been the person who's like everybody in the room needs to look the same. I think I've always known that there are people who bring, who are culture carriers and who bring the energy. There are people who bring resilience and, you know, bring the work ethic that you wish everybody in the company had. There are people who are really smart and quite frankly, sometimes they're lazy and you're like, and they're riding on just their like smarts and you can tell, you're like, oh my God, if only you were working twice as hard imagine what you could accomplish but you know you can get by just because you're so damn smart and then there's you know these rare few people who bring the whole package they're smart they get it done they're culture carriers they're what you wish every employee would be but let's be clear nobody has that you know has a company full of all of those people what you mostly get is a mix of people and you have to create and take advantage of, of, of everybody in the room so that one's the easier question the harder question like i think you're asking sort of like what do i do about the usurper or the person who i think doesn't wish me well or I, so first of all maybe it doesn't worry me anymore i'm like uh you can do what you're going to do we're going to get it done anyway so so first of all that really that is not the thing that really kind of um that doesn't really shake me up like i'm like because i sort of presume at this level in my career you know like that should happen so it's so first of all i just like it, it i'm not saying you don't deal with it but it's just not the thing that keeps me up at night i'm like you guys you know yeah especially if it's a few if it's many we have a much bigger problem but if it's a few i'm like but typically how do i handle that look first of all i'm not sure i ever really you know i don't know that it's my job to confront these people directly if they don't report to me and let's be clear the first thing i'm doing is like how are they getting feedback on their own performance because they're so busy worried about mine my job is to make sure that they get like if they're thinking this about me i can guarantee that the environment around them that they're creating is not a positive one so long before i have to check their behavior they're gonna have to check their own behavior so all i really need to do is bring to them the information of like how like how they're performing in their own environment and pretty soon they're going to stop worrying about what they need to do about making me unsuccessful and they better start fucking worrying excuse my language you know about what they're doing to make themselves successful so mostly what i do in environments i arrive at you know there are places that have a victim mentality it's not even aimed at me it's like i'm like uh look our job all of us is to be accountable to ourselves and i feel like my job is to bring a culture of accountability and a culture where before you cast stones at everybody else who's imperfect uh, why don't you embrace your own faults, understand what they are. Um, and so I try and drive, and I can't say I'm successful. For myself, I hold myself to a standard of self-awareness, not perfection. I say to other people, if you're expecting me to be perfect as your leader, guess what? You're in for a big surprise. Like, I am going to fail multiple times in front of you. And if you think that scares me, it doesn't. What I care about is that you understand that when I fail, like, I recognize it. Um, that when I'm not perfect, I got it. That when you give me feedback, I will listen. And I think, and I trust that if people believe that about myself, that's the behavior I can model. And that's the standard I want to bring to the company. And then inside of that standard, like the behavior you're talking about, if you can raise the boat on how people think about their own accountability and their own self-awareness over time, it'll move out. Now, will I tolerate it for a long time if it is undermining the team ethic I'm trying to create? No, at some point, if I hear that that shit's going to keep going on, and that, per, that, that set of people is not rising to the values I expect of the organization I'm trying to model, then for sure, to their direct manager, I'm not going to go do it myself. No offense. That's below me as the CEO. I'm going to go to the person who manages them and be like, uh, you see these values we're trying to create. You're a leader. 
you better hold your t team accountable to the same standard. And if they're disrupting, if they're spending all their time worrying about disrupting me, I can guarantee that the environment they're creating around them is one way they're disrupting a lot more people and they're going to poison your dynamic. Hopefully the leader knows that already. Your proudest moment in your career? Maybe starting the board list because it was just orthogonal. You know, it's sort of like you're going one direction. It's not something I started for to make money. It's I don't. And by the way, we don't know if it's going to be successful. It's only, it's another three year old startup. But I think that that's the first thing you've said in this entire interview that shocks me. You seem to be the kind of person who's like, I will make sure with all my power that this is going to be successful. It already has been successful. But you know, I'm one of these people who like I'm always disappointed if. <laughs> You know, I, I'm always disappointed because I'm always living in the future. So I'm always thinking about what it could be versus what it is today. Um, yeah, no, I think I think probably starting the board list. And I say it may not be successful because there's lots of things in my life that haven't been. Like I said, everybody sort of presumes that it all works out. And I'm more the person I'm like, you put everything in. And quite frankly, like people perceive that I think I can control everything. I sure try hard but i've also learned at this point in my career things are going to break the way they're going to break sometimes and you just don't know and i feel like being in startups tells you that you can put everything into something and have it not work out but your satisfaction is that you put everything into it and i think that's sort of so one of the things you said you're exactly where you're supposed to be hopefully yes knock on wood hopefully yes all right your biggest disappointment in your career and how you used it to fuel yourself to the next level Sure. Um, biggest disappointment. I'm just trying to think if my failures and disappointments were the same thing, because sometimes they don't all line up that they are. Um, I probably have two. I mean, uh, I probably have a lot of disappointment. And, and actually, probably I probably have more disappointment than joyous. You know, my last company didn't get all the way. We sold it, but we didn't sell it for, you know... We didn't sell it sort of at some gigantic valuation. And, you know, it certainly, I thought that company could go public one day. I mean, I really had those ambitions for it. Um, so my probably my biggest disappointment is we didn't get that one all the way. Um, and that's, you know, that's a function of market timing. And there's a perfect example. Like, I'm so proud of what we built. But early for its time, uh, challenging business model. Anyway, uh, how did I use it to fuel what I did next? Um, I think mostly what I took away from the joyous experience uh, is, as we talked about, just a ton more grit than when I left Google because things don't always work out. <laughs> even though at Google, they seem like they do. At Google, generally speaking, even if you think you're having a hard time, like running China or something, uh, in the grand scheme of things, it all worked out. Um, but I think the way I used it was just, you know, uh, my understanding that the next situation I went into, I wanted to take all those learnings, but I wanted to be back at scale. I really miss scale. Uh, and so mostly what I took away from that experience is I love being a founder, but um, you can do everything right and still not get it all the way and wanting to use my talents on something that already had scale, but could still use my entrepreneurial hustle. What advice do you have for the young entrepreneur oh to God. have starting in the small, humble beginnings and to have the kind of career that you've had? Uh, <laughs> okay, well, <laughs> first of all, the small humble entrepreneur may not want the career I've had. They may just want to, you know, build a gigantic company, which I understand. But for an entrepreneur specifically, learn how to sell. People, it's so, uh, learn how to sell your vision. People think if you're an entrepreneur and you're like a tech nerd or you're a product person that you don't know how to sell, I'm like, uh, you are selling every single day. Um, 
Like, so I just hired this awesome CEO for the board list, right? She started the day I started and she's eight months in, Shannon Gordon. I love Shannon. And Shannon was like, I realized that like this job's all about selling. I'm like, uh-huh. <laughs> like, yeah, you got to sell people you want to hire. You got to sell people on money. Uh, you even have to sell engineers on why the product feature you want to build is the one they should want to build. I mean, you are selling a vision all the time. And as Rhea Hoffman says, you can sell a small vision or a big vision. It takes the same amount of energy. So why don't you sell big? Awesome. You are amazing. I have had the most incredible time. Thank you for giving me so much. Oh, it's thank you honor. for having me. It was fun. Honor. All right. Great to meet you, Barry. Thank you. Okay. I'm going to scroll through the list of people who sent me a message, and one of these people will be a lucky winner, and they'll get to attend a podcast live with one of my guests, meet them, shake their hand, ask them a few questions, or else if they're out of town, out of state, or out of the country, we'll Skype them in or FaceTime them or anything like that so they can be there. Why not? So let me look here randomly and pick somebody. All right, landing on Nora Serato, November 19, 2018. Laugh and learn is the comment, five stars. And it reads, Barry's genuinely interacted with so many in the industry that the personal stories and laughter will crack you up, all the while teaching you some invaluable lessons about the industry. I've listened to about 20 of the podcasts and I feel like an insider. It really helped me with my comedy at open mics. Grateful student at LBCC. Thanks, Mr. Sharp, for the recommendation. All right, Nora Serato. Thank you. You are a winner. And that wraps up part two of our podcast. I just wanted to thank my incredible partners, starting with AquaTrue, the revolutionary miniature countertop water purification system that works straight out of the box. Plug it in, fill it with tap water, and immediately turn your faucet into your favorite bottled water for pennies. You can get $100 off when you go to industrystandardwater.com and just type in the promo code BEAR and start enjoying the best water you've ever had and never buy another bottle of water again. And I Killed JFK, the groundbreaking film about the only living person who admitted to killing Kennedy. Go to IKillJFK.com, buy the film and the rare interviews with five of the last living experts, and I guarantee it'll change your mind about what happened that day. And the Air Doctor, the innovative portable air purification system which will change your overall quality of life. It instantly removes dust, pet hair, mold, pollen, flu viruses, and other contaminants circulating in your home. Normally $600, and if you don't believe me, check Amazon right now. But for a limited time, I can offer you 50% off. That's a $300 savings. Just go to airdoctorpro.com, type in the promo code Barry, and start breathing the cleanest and healthiest air in the world. And here's a preview of the next very special episode. Steve Sweeney. Build relationships. If you want work... Build relationships, be nice to everybody, uh, but also don't watch other comedians. I never watch other comedians. You gotta, you gotta go inside and say, what is my experience? What do I have to say? And focus on yourself. Thank you so much for listening and have a great day. 
As always, this has been Industry Standard with me, Barry Katz. And if you like the show, tell all your friends. And if you don't like the show, tell all your friends. You get all the money, drive that fancy car. All the people love you, cause you're going far. Life is for the dreamers, they have all to gain. It's never quite over, till it all feels the same. You pick your own poison, dig your own grave, down in the valley. A fortune Thank you for listening to Industry Standard with Barry Katz. If you'd like more info on our schedule of new episodes or how to reach Barry through Twitter, Facebook, or email, go to barrykatz.com. Before you leave, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast. Leave a comment and rate it, even if you think it blows. Thank you for your support and have a great day.